I am unashamed. What about you? So this is it, boys. This is the new unashamed now lair that we're deep in the bowels of Louisiana and we're within a within. This is where we (laughs) gather up at 4.30 in the morning, 5 o'clock, going pursuing the Wiley Mallard. We, We take off from here. All of our rigs are right out here around us. We have pumps, oil filters, oil chains. We got lockers with our camos. Equipment, uh, waders, guns, uh, Yamaha, four wheelers, Argo, cotton mouths, black widows, rats the size of possums. (laughs) You shake your waders out. There goes the two black widows. I'm glad I did that. Uh, That would have had a brazen on it. Oh, last year, (laughs) I put on my waders opening day, and I'm like, there's something in in my boot. So I don't panic because it, it felt like a sock. I take them off. I turned them over and a rat that long came out and took off running. He was alive. <laughs> I was like, wow. I, <laughs> sl- I slid down a muddy bank the other morning. It's a beaver dam and that the, the, it sloped, the bayou did. And I, when I walked up there, I had the drag in my hand and my feet slipped out from under me. And I just hit on my back, and as I was going down, <clears throat> I wish I could have seen would, this. Phil. And I was just flying at a <laughs> rapid rate of speed. I was, had my arms up like that, and had that that drag, you know, where I cut the beaver dams out with. I had it like this. Well, when I hit the water, my arms being up, a fish. When my arms came down, a fish got hung. Right under my arm, an old buffalo or a carp. And look, he was started flapping like that. Well, I, I thought a gator had me. I was like, <laughs> and I got my rake. I was going, but you, you know, you can't hit your body with a rake, but I had that rake. And Jimmy Red Gibson, the local redneck, was sitting up there watching. I thought he'd go fall in the bayou because he got so tickled. <laughs> Yeah. But you, you want something to happen. A fish get up under your armpit and start flapping. Trying to, woo. Why am I just now hearing about this? Well, I just brought it up. That's a true story. But, boy, that was – I never caught a fish under my arm when I just jumped off in the water, and I thought, well, I'm, I'm dead. Well, and the funny thing is, like you said, you imagine the worst. I remember a catfish. We were teal hunting, and a catfish, we were wearing blue jeans. Got in your waiter. Got in your – Well, up my blue jean. Yeah. And he got right under my kneecap, and he was turned around. Around the, so he's fending me in my knee. Well, I thought a snake was like all of a sudden yeah. you have this pain yeah. and you feel a big well, lump. That's a, that's a lot of pause now. But the difference fin. in Jimmy Red and, and Greg Epinet is that he he lowered his gun as I'm coming up out of the light trying to figure it out. He lowered. I said, Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's don't get crazy here. Yeah. I'd rather be snake bit than have my leg blown off. Tell me right. about it. Whew. Yeah. So this is uh, this is our stage and air. This is our new uh, podcast where we're going to be recording from. And we told you the story last time. The reason we moved our podcast is because the Unashamed Podcast Command Center was actually now is Phyllis and Tony's house. Uh, it'll, I guess it'll go back to being the lodge now that Phyllis and Tony are going to live so there. So it would be weird to have the podcast. Well, we house. were in their bedroom. So yeah. I just think it might be weird if we were Maybe. like, you know, being in their bedroom doing the podcast. Yeah. I don't know why I added this little section on to this structure when I had it built. I got a great price on the barn part, but I came back in here and I said, well, let's build something where people can come in here and, 
and state, though, if you book, maybe that's the case. They were a four bump bed. Somebody yeah. visits. Maybe. I, I like it that you have a map of Louisiana, so I know where I'm at. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so which is, there's also a map of the property uh, on yeah. one side, and we got some duck calls behind me. So we get, we got a lot of really interesting I stuff. I never there. thought I would be seated here in a chair in front of a mic beaming out the good news. So I don't know what's going to happen when Burley shows up because he's been living here every duck season. You, we yeah. showed a picture of Burley. Remember, we thought he was a Sasquatch when he yep. got caught on a He's, deer cam. He has loitering tendencies. <laughs> What's your boy, the Hollywood actor that he favors? He favors oh, Randall, Randall Tex, Tex Cobb. Cobb. Randall yeah. looks like Randall Tex Cobb's brother. <laughs> but uh, look, this is new. No, he just looks like Randall Tex Cobb. Looks just like him. This is new news. You guys haven't heard yet. So Burley, what would you say when Burley left here last winter? Because he's big man. Played football at OU. How much do you think Burley weighed when he left here? What would you, if you were just I guessing? Would guess three ten. What do you think, Dad? I don't know, but I mean, what you're trying to say is Miss Kay's cooking. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't, uh, if you're not uh, steady enough to just push it away, you you get hit. I haven't said that. He's really tall, so it's not like. All right, so here here's the reason I'd I brought say he's it up. He's like six six. So I got the word this week. That Burley now is, now weighs two hundred and twelve pounds. No, that doesn't seem right. That's what I heard. Two hundred twelve pounds, which he's going to look like he's got cancer or something. I mean, you know, because literally, you're right. I think it was close to three hundred pounds. So when you lose a hundred pounds, but he did wow. that from duck season. His wife that. has a degree now. She's a, a nurse practitioner out in Colorado, so uh, she's knocking down some pretty good chains. So, but I guess Burl just. Well, he's a nurse. He's a yeah, travel nurse himself. Yeah, he's the scariest looking nurse I've ever seen. I, yeah. I mean, well, I would, you know, I think I told the story before. They actually threatened to fire him because they, they didn't want him to scare the termin, terminally <laughs> ill patients into death. Because <laughs> he. Heart condition. I mean, he just imagine Phil with 100 extra pounds. <laughs> But like more scruffy, because Burley. Imagine me standing there with a needle in one hand and a scalpel in the other. I mean, you're in hospital. And I'll take care of you, honey. And your nurse comes I'm in is I'm a three hundred pound guy that looks like Bigfoot. Yeah. They said, you know, so they told him. They said, you either shave and get a haircut, or you're fired. That's and right. he's like, no. So what he did was he put his beard into like a ponytail and his hair, and they, it worked. Yeah. They said. Okay, that looks respectable. I'm like, what? Only in our world? Because now, to me, that looks worse because now you did something premeditated to that. Now makes me think you're just a weirdo. But anyway, <laughs> he works there. So that this was his uh, this was his place uh, for a while. So you know, it really was no more. He, he just, but I mean, he just claimed it, right? Yeah, I mean, we didn't really it. invite him. He just claimed it. He so. was a guest that never left. Things well, things change. <laughs> that's what Jack Exum said. Things change. You remember Jack Exum, Jay? I love Jack. The old Exum. preacher. Yeah. Yes. Somebody I, we mentioned him somewhere, and somebody said, "Man, they they knew him, and they like I can't believe you mentioned Jack Exum." I was like, "Well, he made a big impact on me and Jay's. His old old preacher." I mean, I wish somebody would have told me that before I got married, because that was <laughs> one of the most fundamental foundations in marriage. Right. If you just believe that, you're like, make a practical application. No, it doesn't matter. If you just realize that things change, that's right. your marriage will be more blissful. You walk in, you say, things changed. Yep. Because especially if you're going to be married well, to a woman, it, Sunday, it's just, uh, they're yes, changing. Yesterday, today's Monday, I think. Yesterday, uh, inside the church building, I was asked to give a prayer 
for our young brother and sister that were fixed to be married in three days. And uh, I started with the Apostle Paul's famous line, the Roman Empire was fixing to try to stamp out Christianity. Paul was talking to the Corinthians. Some tough times were ahead. And he said, therefore, he said, people who marry, and I told that guy that, will face many troubles in this life. And he said, I want to spare you this. Of course, he looked at the little girl. He looked at his little fiance, and they were looking at each other. I said, now, to back that up, I said, all you brothers out there who are married, I said, have you faced more troubles than you had before you married? They all went, they were all. <laughs> so they were looking at each other. So I started there, and I prayed the evil one wouldn't wouldn't get a hold of them, and they'd learn how to behave with each other and be kind to their woman from his part and well, for her to be kind to her man. Yeah. So uh, that worked out pretty good. And so we got Allie Beth coming up. Yep. We, we're going to we're going to uh, christen our new um, environment with uh, with a guest today, uh, yep. Allie Beth Stuckey, who is a fellow Blaze TV host with you, Dad. So by uh, the way, the people keep coming, and I'm baptizing them. And it throws a wrench in the cogs. We're probably violating government edicts because the government edict says uh, we have to keep at least six foot away. Well, when someone says, I want to give my life to the Lord, Jesus said, go make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I said, well, we have a dilemma here. Now, I can either break uh, the edicts and yeah. baptize them. I haven't read the text that says baptize them unless there's a pandemic and a government edict. It just says baptize them. Right. So I'm like, well, it didn't, when there's no nuances here about, you know, whether we are to or not. So the one that raises men from the dead is the one they're putting their faith in. They're saying with their mouth, as we're standing in the water, Jesus is Lord. There's a confession they make. And here I am saying, well, Time to break the law of the local authorities, but how am I going to baptize? What's he going to do? Baptize himself? <laughs> so I'm like, let's just go out by faith and say, we'll have to baptize you, and we can't get a rope and pull you under. <laughs> I don't think that would work. I so think that would be dramatic. The guy yesterday was from Minnesota, and there was about uh, four or five the week before, and there's six more lined up this coming Sunday. Yeah. So I just want to tell all you people, look, if, if you, anybody can baptize you if you put your faith in Jesus and his death yeah, for The baptizer day. does it. Does yeah. it I, and so, I tell but if you of, want me to do it and you come down, I'm going to do it. So you know, all I can say, Al, is if, if they Edict or no. Edicts or no edicts. <laughs> I think this is the one thing that's a good exception. Yeah, especially after this happened. I mean, give Cali me a break. <laughs> in California, where they said you can go to church, you can't sing. Well, you know. Yeah. Oh, they would look at baptized. I mean, you can't do that. Oh. Hold on in. <laughs> so anyway, the guy came out of the water, and uh, with tears running down his face, mm -hmm. thanking me and the Lord for saving him. And I'm thinking, how could I say, well, I don't think so. Some government edict. I'm not going to. When it comes to that. I'm just going to tell you all right off. They throw you in jail for that or whatever they're going to do. Go ahead. I'll do it. I don't There was a young man at WFR yesterday as well from Topeka, Kansas, that's a listener of our podcast. He and his son 
And uh, it's funny, his son, he said, he's got a question for you. And he oh, said, you're across the, the river That's right. We, and we had Yeah, that was a more. couple of them. Yeah. And then there was a big fan, a big group there, a bunch of ball players. Did you see them from Tennessee? Oh, yeah. yeah, they had their Tennessee jerseys on. Well, you know. And the, the main, the, one of the kids was a huge LSU fan. I was like, buried in volunteer land, you know, up in Tennessee. Yeah. I was like, no, this guy's going places. You know, I was this- surprised. I mean, you you figure with as many edicts as there are. I was surprised seeing a whole baseball team. Yeah, they're actually playing a tournament here, yeah. you know, which I told them I'm pulling for them now, which would be great. But anyway, it's, you know, you're right. And so the the guy, the kid asked me a question, the guy that was baptized, his little kid was there, and he said, why are you the only one that says, let's take a break? <laughs> that was the question to me about the fire. I said, because I'm the only one that can pay attention to the clock. I said, you've heard Jason dad talk. They don't, they don't know clock from anything else. They're just rocking but and rolling. Phil there. and I, to my knowledge, have never owned a watch. You've never owned one, and I haven't either. I've never owned a And I'm wearing piece. one. This is that See, is that, a, this actual man. this is from an actual baseball from a Dodger you know a Dodger fan. But if you'd have asked me about what time it was, I'd have looked outside and said, Ah, about midday. <laughs> well, that's a yeah. problem when you're Close doing enough. The, when you're doing the podcast, uh-huh. it needs to be a little more precise. By the that's, way, this guy was from Minneapolis yesterday where there's been a lot of rioting and all that. And he came into a zone, the kingdom of God, and it's made up of the human race. No colors are even noticed and he was there and i could tell he was like looking out there it was about half african-americans half white we're all together there sons and daughters of god and he was right in the middle and somebody told me he said i wonder if he thinks there's a big difference between here and where he just left from that that's a yeah. I thought that was pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. Somebody brought it up. Well, it's been really good, the work that goes on here. And, yeah, we, we'll baptize anybody anytime. So let's, uh, let's take a break, and then uh, we're going to see if we can get Allie Beth patched in. So one of the things that's happened as we get a little bit older is you get a little more pain and a few more aches as you go along. Dad, I've noticed, you know, we're kind of all getting old together, as you always point out. Yep. And, uh Part of the biggest part to pain is usually inflammation. That's the biggest thing that happens as we get older. And so there's a product that Dad and I have been taking that has really helped us a lot. It's called Omega XL, uh, basically because it reduces inflammation. That's its main job. And so we want you guys to, if you got a lot of aches and pains like we do, to check it out. You go to omegaxl.com/feel. Uh, you buy your first bottle, you get your second bottle free, which is awesome. OmegaXL.com slash feel, or you can give them a call at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. So we are in the uh, the new location uh, for Unashamed. We left our command center, and now we're in the lair. This is the yeah. Unashamed lair. This it is actually called the lair, so yeah. you got that right. Yeah, so we're still in in a place where you will never, if you're here, you're lost. That's right. It's a, it's a place not fit for human habitations. And yet here we are. So when we're super excited, so to christen our new lair, our new spot to broadcast, we have a special guest today, uh, Allie Best Stuckey. Hello, Allie. Hello, Allie. Hello. <laughs> and we've already told her, so our audience will totally get this, that she has upgraded both the intellect, um, look, and discussion just by being here. So, Allie, you, you've raised our bar on Unashamed. 
The well, it is an honor to do so. I'm not sure about that, but I'll take the compliment. I appreciate so, it. So Allie Beth, is, uh, she has her own podcast. It's called Relatable. So I encourage you guys to check that out. She is a fellow Blaze TV host along with us and dad mm-hmm. especially. So we're excited about that. Um, so Allie Beth, uh, tell us about what's going on in your life these days. Yes. So I host a podcast, Relatable. We analyze news, culture, politics from a biblical perspective. It's three times a week. And um, yeah, so there's always a lot to talk about. As y'all know, this world is crazy. And there are a lot of young women, especially who are just craving biblical truth, craving a solid place to put their feet. And uh, we try to provide that, you know, by the grace of God through the podcast. And so that's the purpose of my show. But it led me to write this book that comes out soon. You're not enough. And that's okay. Escaping the toxic culture of self-love. This concept of self-love, that it's the key to happiness, the key to fulfillment um, is very popular, as you guys might know. And the women who listened to my show a couple of years ago came to me, emailing me, asking me, okay, these professing Christian women teachers are telling me that the most important thing that I have to do is to love myself and have high self-esteem. Is that true? Can you talk about it on your show? So as I started digging into it, I found that it is leading to a dead end for a lot of Christian young women who have wrongly convinced themselves that self-centeredness is a form of of righteousness and narcissism is actually a virtue. And I noticed that I had I had kind of taken that path when I was in college. And so I talk a lot about that in uh, the book and just replacing a lot of the myths surrounding self-love with the truth of God's word. So that's how my show what I do kind of led to the book that I just wrote. Wow. I told you she was smart. I've never felt so underqualified doing what I do as I do oh at this goodness. moment. With that one description. Yep. So this is the book. This is the book. And it, and it did, is the first pink book that we've had in the Unashamed. Did we uh, have pod- to do pink? It just, but it is. I, well, yes, because it's <laughs> okay. mostly for women. That's not to say that okay. you guys can't get something out of it. But it's also, I think, the first pink book that I've had. And every woman who follows me has been so excited about that. So I think it was a good choice. I think it was, too. We um, actually did uh, our Duck Commander devotional, which our whole family put together. And we have a pink version of that and a brown one. So we can, you know, have it for, for, there the, you go. for the ladies and other. So I'm interested. So obviously... You uh, did you grow up as a Christian? Because obviously you're a spiritual woman, and that's evident from everything yeah. I've seen you do, including following on Twitter. So, has have you always been a Christian? Did you convert at some point? Tell us about that. When did that? Yes, thankfully I was raised in a, a Christian home. We grew up going to church. I had a Christian education, which I'm very grateful for. And my parents and the education that I received really lay a, a wonderful foundation for me in understanding the Bible and being interested in the Bible. I would say that relationship became personal uh, with Christ when I was in high school. And I, um, I had a Bible teacher actually in high school that really piqued my interest in looking at the Bible from an intellectual perspective, really trying to dig in and understand theology and what it really meant practically to be a Christian. Before that, while I'm very thankful for my foundation, it was just kind of something that I accepted because it was a part of, you know, my family traditions and my parents were Christians, but it became my own, if that's the right way to say it, when I was in high school. And then um, 
into college. I just started reading different theologians and started actually being interested in the Bible for myself and my own study. So uh, yes and no, I would say yes, lifelong Christian yeah. in a Christian home, but it wasn't until I was probably 18 years old that it really became something real for me. Yeah. And it was kind of that way with me as well, Ali. I, I was a kind of a prodigal through my teen years, even though I grew up, you know, uh, in church, so to speak. And, uh, but it came to, to light for me later as well. So, um, right. so, so dad was telling us, uh, earlier that, uh, when he was on your, your show, I was it the podcast. Yeah. yeah it was on your podcast. <laughs> so Phil, Phil was on her show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, when? maybe been pushing up one of our books or something. Allie, do you remember? I don't even know if you remember. But anyway, he, he was on. When do your, these things happen? <laughs> They happen, Jason. This is happening all the time. Just You're just on a New way. York City. Yeah. New York City. We'll take, yeah. I was, I was where, just, where are you at? Are you? She's in, in Dallas. I, I'm in huh. Texas. I'm in Texas. And was I in, he Texas, was in Texas or New York? I don't remember if it was promoting a book, but it was a great conversation. One of my most popular episodes, because as you guys know, there are very few people who can just so clearly talk about the Bible and share the gospel. And that's what you did the whole time. We went through Romans one. It was a great conversation. Oh, we got into Romans one. That's shocking. <laughs> so unlike that. So dad, tell Allie what you thought about that. You didn't tell her because I wanted her to hear this. It's well, pretty funny. Uh, sister Stucky, if she'll understand this. Phil, you're making me nervous. I noticed. I just noticed. Out of the corner of my eye, I just noticed. I said, I think this sister is with child. <laughs> However, I didn't say a word. I did not make a comment about it. I stayed away from that. Because you've learned. Because, Which is a huge well, improvement. A little episode a few years earlier, I saw one of the sisters that I had not seen lately. She walked up to me. Hey, hey, Brother Fields, how's it going? I said, well, girl. I said, I didn't know you were pregnant. And she oh said, my. she looks up at me and her eyes kind of narrowed. And I thought, and she said, I'm not. Ooh. I'm oh, not. no. And I'm like, I'm like, okay. I, I might have mistaken pork chops and potatoes for Oh, pregnant. my God. But when Miss K gets me out in the parking lot, she said, you idiot. She said, don't ever tell a woman that. And I said, I just thought the you girl was pregnant. I hadn't seen her in a while. I didn't know she just picked up a few pounds. However, after after the chastising of Sister Robertson, I said, I think I'll just remain silent on that particular issue. But you were right. because you. But I was. Yes, were. I was. I was like eight months pregnant. So it probably would have been okay for you to say something, but I do appreciate <laughs> you learning. I stay out of that zone, Sister Stucky. <laughs> Ali, I'm just I'm just excited that he learned that lesson, and you because yeah. I didn't know that. So I this, learned that lesson the hard way. That, that sister didn't speak to me for about three more four months, so I thought, man. Oh my gosh! Oh well, my what what's appealing to me about this conversation is you're I think you're in your twenties. We won't yes. have to guess your age, but you know I had an idea a couple of years ago. Uh, we had a young preacher that's moved on. We're still friends with him, and. Uh, we we wanted to write a book because him being a young man and and very I think he has two doctorates in something and marriage and family marriage and really family smart. counseling and we were we we pitched around the idea of writing a book 
about these hard issues because when I was looking at your social media, I mean, you you take on everything and you're very articulate. And I've been on record as saying our biggest problem, I believe, as followers of Jesus, especially when it comes to controversial issues, is articulation. Because people are scared if they say something, they're going to say something wrong, and then they're obviously going to be viciously attacked. We all know that. If you if you go public for Jesus, you're going to be attacked. And we kind of put the book off. We were going to name it Weapons of Mass Instruction. And we were mm, going to I take like we were, yeah. somebody will probably steal that now, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll find something else. But uh but I, I was just thinking that because even what I've noticed is people when they get over the age of let's just say fifty one, since I'm fifty. <laughs> About to be fifty. They and I'm not gonna mention any names, but some some people in the faith they have the art articulation of a sawmill when it comes to these kind of issues. So I was going to ask that, what would you recommend on how to address that for the common follower of Jesus? Cause I don't think silence is the answer. Yeah. I don't think that people have to be too worried though, about articulating things perfectly. As you said, when people go public with their faith in Christ, even when they share their testimony or when they're talking about theology, especially if you try to articulate a biblical worldview that includes your views of politics and culture, you're going to receive a lot of backlash. And we have to remember also that the apostle Paul talked about that he didn't come with these eloquent words of wisdom, but that he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, knowing that people were going to put their faith in the power of God, not in his ability to articulate things perfectly. Now, that said, I do think that we can, from the study of God's word and listening to people who are smarter than us, which I do a lot of, I read people who are a lot smarter than me, and I try to break down the concepts that they present to me in a complex way, in a way that is more simple and easy to digest for the people who are you know, listening to my podcast or reading my book. And so I think it takes a lot of learning, a lot of deference to people who are smarter than us, a lot of willingness to say things that are true based on the word of God, even if you don't say things perfectly. There was a young man who plays for the Orlando Magic, I think his name is Jonathan Isaac, who decided that he wasn't going to kneel for the national anthem and he wasn't going to wear uh, a BLM t-shirt. And they asked him why and basically, you know, people lambasted him for this answer, of course, but he basically just said, you know, I, I believe, of course, that Black Lives Matter, but that mission is incongruent with the gospel. And he just shared the gospel. And of course, Yahoo News called him uh, ludicrous, said that it was nonsense, said that it didn't make sense, but he didn't articulate this perfectly political answer. All he did was say what the truth is and share the gospel. And I guarantee you that two minute clip is going to make a much bigger impact than it would, you know, if he came yeah. out writing some very complex essay, not that there's anything wrong with that. So I don't know. I think that it takes, you know, practice to be able to articulate things boldly and clearly, but at the same time, I don't want Christians to feel pressure to be perfect in yeah. their ability to articulate um, the value system that we have according to scripture. Yeah. I have a new favorite NBA player. <laughs> oh, me too. Yeah, yeah I'm, awesome. I want to support yeah. this guy. Let's take a, a quick break. So we talk a lot about hair loss on this show, which is kind of ironic because I'm really the only one losing my hair. Uh, 
you and Dad. Of course, I don't know. You had a fur ball in your it's cause you train one time. I do shave. Maybe, right. Maybe shave. when you shave, you lose your hair on top. I don't know. Could be. I've done very little. So I wish I had started a little bit earlier, but there's a, a one of our sponsors, uh, Keeps. This Keeps.com is where you go, and they're basically – help you hold on to your hair. So if you're starting to lose that hair, you might want to check these guys out. So these guys will will ship this right to your door. You know, people get a little bit sensitive about losing their hair and they're a little bit, I don't know why. I mean, they shouldn't be. It's, it's really I mean, not. I don't go around saying, why are you bald? Exactly. But, but anyway, it, it, if it does, you can go to keeps.com, K-E-E-P-S.com slash door. You get 50% off your first order. Uh, it's discreet. Uh, and these guys will send it right to you. Keeps.com slash door, 50% off your first order. So uh, I follow you on Twitter uh, as well, and I agree with Jace. I mean, you have some really good stuff and speaks into culture. And you had a tweet, I think it was yesterday, about that was really fascinating to me, and I knew we would have you on. So when you talked about that uh, people will say Jesus only – uh, spoke to the oppressed, meaning, and then it's kind of couched in the idea about the socially oppressed, like you would say social justice now, but you made a great point that he spoke to those in power just as much yeah. as he did to those other. And I hadn't really thought about that, but but, but tell us a little bit more about that. Cause I, th- I found that fascinating. Yeah. So in this moment right now, when you have even people in the church offering forms of social justice, which we could go all into why I believe that biblically, social justice isn't actually just, but they're prescribing basically secular solutions to spiritual uh, problems. And one thing that you hear a lot of these proponents of social justice theology saying is that Jesus came for the oppressed or the, the voice of the oppressor. And that is true. Jesus does care, of course, about societal oppression or uh, physical material oppression of the widow, of the orphan, of the foreigner, of course, he cares about all of that. But typically what they mean when they say things like that is that Jesus is against these power structures of the oppressor versus the oppressed, this kind of very Marxist idea, when that's not true. If you look at the life of Jesus, that he talked, he reached to, he reached out to Nicodemus. He reached out to the uh, Roman centurion. He cared about the tax collectors. He obviously converted Paul, who is the epitome of an oppressor. The commonality between the so-called societal oppressors and the oppressed that Jesus hung out with and reached out to is that they were all oppressed by sin. And that is the ultimate oppression that Jesus came to liberate everyone from, whether you are rich or poor, whether you are on the side of the so-called societal oppressed or the oppressor, whether you have, quote, privilege or you don't have privilege. Jesus came to save all of these categories and liberate all of these categories from the oppression of sin and death. And that is what the social justice theologians miss when they say that Jesus only came for the societally oppressed. That's not completely accurate. Here's where they made the misstep. To condense all that down, Jesus loved perfectly. Hmm. He so loved the world. He sent Jesus his son, whoever believes in him. So if you love perfectly, it's like the Apostle Paul in Romans 13. He said, verse 8, let no debt remain outstanding. Pay your bills if you owe someone to pay them. Except this is the debt we owe to our fellow man. 
all of them. Leave no debt, remain outstanding, except, and Jesus proved this, the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man, this is profound, if he did it perfectly, like Jesus did, all the way to the cross, he's still there saying, forgive them. They slaughtered him like an animal, strung him up, nailed him up. His final words, forgive them. Now that's when you get to a level of love where the human race should get, and Jesus did get. For he who, who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law, all of it. Instead of worrying about, uh, well, whether I ought to steal from him, whether I'm mean to him, whether I'm going to shoot him, whether I'm going to, I'm going to lash back at him, you just love him and move on. You just love him and move on. People up in your face, love them, forgive them, and move on. You're like, that would be hard to do. Well, he's the model. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. He's going down through the whole list. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. Point being, verse 10, love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So that's what she was yeah, saying. Right, exactly. And I'm just bringing it down to a couple of just to, to boost what she was saying. I mean, you start down the, the path of, you know, you know, who we're going to love. Who did Jesus love? Did he love the well, East group better than that? Yep. He loved right. them all. This is exactly perfectly. Right. Right, which is a perfect point. And I, I'm assuming, I hadn't read your book yet, Allie, but I'm going to. I'm looking forward to it. That seems to be the heart of what you're saying there. You're not enough, meaning that if you try to do everything yourself, and this whole idea about you put like, a, I see here some of the myths. You're, you are enough. You determine your truth. You're perfect the way you are. You're entitled to your dreams. You can't love others until you love yourself. Those are some of the myths that you deal with in the book, right? That somehow you, there's a self serving self saving uh, I have a great verse Oh he's got a verse uh, To those the apostle Paul speaking to the brothers at Rome to those who by persistence you persistently in doing good seek glory honor and immortality he'll give eternal life But check this out for those who are self seeking which hmm. is your point. Right. Those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there'll be wrath and anger. There'll be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And this is a great text because for God Jesus being God in flesh on the earth when he was here for 33 years for showing us how God does not show favoritism. There is yeah. no one group any more important than the other, period. He loved us all. So, Ali, that's a shocker. We're back in Romans 1 again. I mean, your show, our yeah. show. Phil loves <laughs> he loves Romans, Romans 1. 1. What do you think about that, Ali? <laughs> yes, I totally agree. The, the premise of this book is – 
you know, based on a, a lot of what Phil just said, that the goal in this life is not to center everything around us, but to center everything around Christ. And the point also that I make in the book is that if the self is the problem, the self can't also be the solution. So if inside ourselves, we are finding sin and chaos and confusion and selfishness and anxiety and inadequacy, insecurity, all of these things, we're not going to find the antidote to those things inside ourselves. We have to look outside of ourselves, namely to our creator. And unfortunately, a lot of the, I would say, especially women who feed on this message of self-empowerment, this lie that says you are your own truth, you are your own purpose and happiness, it actually leads them to being miserable, more miserable than they were before, even though they're promised liberation and they're promised happiness, what they find is that in telling themselves that they are enough, that they are sufficient, they find in a really hard way that they're not enough, that they actually are inadequate. And so the point of this book is to free women from that kind of, honestly, uh, oppressive thinking that you are your own God and that you carry that burden and that responsibility. The reality is you don't, God made you not enough and that's okay because Christ has become our enoughness, our righteousness, our sufficiency. We don't have to carry that burden. Yeah, your problem is no how much no matter how much you're into yourself and you think your worth, your self-worth and self-adoration and self-love, the problem is right in the middle of all that is what are you going to do about your sins? <laughs> no matter how you glorify yourself and you're, you're, you're good enough. No, you're not good enough. It's basically so, a, a philosophy on life that, to my knowledge, you know, they used to do a skit on Saturday Night Live. You remember that skit where they said he would look in the mirror and say, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Yeah. But, and Stuart me, Smalley. It was yeah. actually Al Franken, which is a really funny now the way First that First your sins, <laughs> and then what are you going to do about the grave with your body beautiful and all that goes with it? You're like, but we've uh, been uh, back when Al Franken we, was funny. We've been, uh, we've, we are familiar with Hollywood enough to know that that is their philosophy. Even when things mm. would happen on the show, the set of the show, I mean, they're, they would try to encourage you by like, you're, you're good enough. Because yeah. they don't know what to say. You know, if you don't have Jesus and you're looking around for some encouraging words, go Saturday Night Live. Look yourself in the mirror. By the way, Adabel, uh, uh, down that line, here's a production crew of about 50 or 60 people when we were doing Duck Dynasty. And one day the sound man, the the guy with the, around it, the computer around his neck, he has everyone <laughs> mic'd up and he's listening to what they say. And he came to me one day and he said, Mr. Robinson, I've noticed something about your family, and I want to ask you about it, you and your family. He said, I noticed that, uh, he said, I have you mic'd up, and I can hear y'all even when you're whispering and when we're off the set, even when you're talking in a little group. He said, I've been straining to hear from any of your family members or yourself one word of profanity. He said, wow. I've been here three months he said, I've never heard any of you use any profanity. He said, I'm a sound man. I've been all over the world. We've been with these film shoots. He said, why am I not hearing anyone use profanity? I said, I'll tell you about that this afternoon. I told him the good news of Jesus, that Jesus died for him, was buried, raised from the dead. And look, he responded by faith. To this day, he calls me all wow. the time. 
He was won to Christ by not hearing cursing. Wow. Is that a pretty, pretty amazing story? That is amazing. He was converted over. That's encouraging to so many people who think that things like that really don't matter, that how we conduct ourselves in our speech really doesn't have an effect on people. But purity in speech is a testimony in and of itself. That is awesome. It it is. So, Allie, tell uh, tell Unashamed Nation uh, when your book releases and how they can get it. Yes, it's out August 11th. You can go to alibethstuckey.com slash book, and you can find all of the places where you can purchase the book. If you are a woman, uh, you can join Women's Book Club with Ali Stuckey on Facebook. We'll be going through the book together. There will be a study guide that we'll be going through, um, but alibethstuckey.com slash book. You can find all the places to purchase it. And uh, that's the day after my 30th year wedding anniversary so i may i may put this in a little bag that's right we're gonna let jace give this as as a a gift bonus that's exactly right yeah that's good so uh and also a relatable podcast be sure and check ali on that we have a lot of uh, women unashamed fans so i'm sure they're going to cross over hopefully and and check out ali thanks so much for being on our podcast today good to see you so much for having me this was great you were great So we talk about this. Uh, it's crazy when you think about it. I guess it's cyber crime is a, a new way. You know, people invent ways of doing evil. It's probably the number one crime now. Cyber oh, yeah. Crime. Cyber Because people, everybody's on the Internet except Phil. Especially during the pandemic. And uh, there's a, a woman named Deborah that literally lost her home, which was, you know, and she was like, we were being evicted and we didn't, you know. We thought we still owned our house, which is incredible. Stole the title. Stole the title because it's out there in the computer land, as Dad calls it. But So none of us want to obviously find out that someone else has our home, right? So what you do uh, to not become like this lady uh, is you go to hometitlelock.com, register your address, make sure you're not already a victim, use the code FILL, and you get 30 days of protection. So that's HomeTitleLock.com. Use the code FEEL. Now that was a smart person. <laughs> we kind of we kind of knew it was going to be like that, Jax. Like she was very. No, really you, you said it right. I thought oh. you said it really good. She articulates really well. I mean, not only faith, but into culture. You know, and there's just not that many people, especially many young people. That but are, what was impressive to me is when I asked her the articulation question, she responded exactly how I wanted her to. Without she didn't know we didn't I work wanted. that out. Yeah, no, she because she's like, look, you know, you're never going to do things perfectly, right. but if you just stand up for Jesus, that's good enough. I mean, loved it. Yeah, I, I was reminded of that Acts four when it said. You know, she mentioned the one, I forgot which one she mentioned, but the Acts 4 says that they were unschooled, ordinary men, but they right. took note they had been with Jesus. I also thought about her point about saying, you know, you're not good enough and that's okay. It reminded me when John the Baptist said that he must become greater I must and I must lesser. become less. Because I think as Christians, what we do is we we tend to think, or the way I was when I was early on in the faith, it's like, if you can be almost perfect, then Jesus will make up the rest. That's a horrible way to think. That's right. He he he's it. You're you're an idiot. That's that, why you know. Right. It, it's not like oh I'm I'm doing all this and I need a little help from time to time. Right. Yeah. 
it's, it was a her point is fascinating, and in our culture, for her to be bold about that, can you imagine the scorn that she's I, gotten from the world? This is a great point. Uh, the Apostle Paul in First Corinthians one, uh, we preach Christ crucified. It's a stumbling block to Jews, and check this out, and foolishness to Gentiles. Uh, they're into you are enough. You determine your truth. You're perfect the way you are. You're entitled to your dreams. You can't love others until you love yourself. Well, this here says, uh, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. He said, brothers, Think of what you were when you were called. Check this out. Not many of you were wise by human standards. They didn't have high IQs, Al. Right. Uh, not many were influential. You weren't. They, the, the gospel goes all the way down to the ones that you think wouldn't have enough sense. The rednecks are in there in that group, and all the ones that are are down poor and downtrodden. Not many were y'all were influential. Not many were of noble birth. Said you didn't you 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 weren't a big shot of any kind. Right. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It's because of him that you're in Christ Jesus. He's become for us. Most human beings miss this. Jesus Christ has become for us wisdom from God. That's as wise as you need to, need to go, Jesus. Right. That is, he's our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. It's wise when you find Jesus Christ, and that's the result of it. Therefore, that is as written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. So it's a great text, yeah, and especially if, in if this culture just, of right, today. Right. If you just read the red letters on a consistent basis, it's amazing how intellectual you become. That is correct. <laughs> that's right. Because you just think, I mean, he's given you theology from heaven as the creator in all sorts of situations. So a lot of people, they're like, boy, you know, you look dumb, but you're wise. You know, <laughs> people that are new to the faith, they're not realizing it. By human standards. Oh, oh I'm an idiot. By human standards, they are dumb. <laughs> well, I was talking about myself. Yeah, but well, I, I, I was that wise. But in yeah. God's eyes, they have righteousness, holiness, and redemption. You're like, Smart I'm, enough. <laughs> I'm like, I know this really smart guy, <laughs> and I see what he but, said in situations. So, but you think about though the really the great equalizer in all this is that when you become a son or daughter of the Almighty, the Bible tells us, and Jesus told us, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, and so that doesn't matter whether you're smart, whether you're educated, whether you can read or write or anything else. The Holy Spirit is now in you, and that's what makes the difference. Well, I mean, somebody imperishable said, seed. You know, I looked at the group yesterday, and a lot of them are homeless, and a lot of them are baptized. And 
the law enforcement came up to me, bodyguards and all that, SWAT, yeah. you know, they're in and out oh, of yeah. the place. You know, we converted them too. Right. So we converted the ones on the streets, <laughs> and we also converted law enforcement who was enforcing the law with a lot of them, the men in the streets. Right. Well, well, we brought them all together there, sons and daughters of God. I looked at them yesterday, and I was thinking, if somebody walked in and said, you're trying to tell me, and they had pointed over there to our brothers who sleep under bridges, if they said, they're what? I would say, the Apostle Peter said they were, they're a chosen people. They're a royal priesthood. Uh-oh, I've you're been like, on that one. <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, really? You say, yeah, really? Uh, those are members of a royal priesthood. Yeah. You said, well, what are they doing sleeping under bridges? I said, that's fine. I said, we're getting them some housing, but a lot of them say, nah, we, we all right, Brother Phil. I said, whatever you think. <laughs> They're a holy nation and a people belonging to God. Once they, once they were not a per, per, people of God, but now they are. Now you've received mercy. And he said, live like aliens and strangers. It'll be okay. You're fine. You got it. That is pretty awesome it, it is and only can happen in christianity so so we're at the end of our time for the podcast man we appreciate you guys being with us today always unashamed we're excited about our new location uh we do have a little bit of extra uh we got a little more to tell and those of you that are on blaze tv will get a chance to check that out so uh, appreciate you and we'll see you next time on unashamed so we're so glad you guys were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or YouTube or Facebook. And be sure and rate us on iTunes so that other people can know about the podcast.